Welcome to the Sticks and Stones podcast, bringing you interviews with people from across the globe who are changing the face of sexual health for the better. This is the place to hear about new approaches and initiatives in sexual health, best practice, challenges, and to meet some of the people who are driving change from around the world. My name is Nick Mallon, and I administer the SDI International Exchange, or Sticks. I hope you enjoy today's conversation, and please subscribe to receive future episodes. Welcome to the next episode of the Sticks and Stones podcast. Today we've got Leandro Mena, director of the STD section at the CDC, the Centers of Disease Control in Atlanta, USA. Delighted to welcome Leandro to the podcast today. The CDC will be a body that many of you will have heard of that's really driving the efforts to reduce STI transmission in the US. And I hope you find today's episode interesting. Leandro, thank you very much for doing the podcast today and absolutely delighted to welcome you. Can you just take a a couple of minutes and just give a little bit of background, who you are, what your role is and um, why you're here today to be interviewed? Well, first of all, you know, know, thank you so much for inviting me, you know, to be here, you know, in the interview and really for being interested in um, certainly, you know, my career and the world of STIs. Um, So I grew up in Dominican Republic. You know, I went to medical school at the um, Universidad Nacional Pedro Enrique Sureña in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. Um, I uh, came to the United States, uh, did a residency in internal medicine in Chicago at Cook County Hospital. And then um, I moved to New Orleans where I uh, did a fellowship in infectious diseases at the um, Louisiana State University Health Science Center in New Orleans. Um, I trained under the mentorship of Dr. Uh, David Martin and Stephanie Taylor. And, uh, and during that time, I did an MPH uh, in public health, where I had the opportunity to work and, and be mentored uh, by Dr. Patricia Kissinger in uh, STI epidemiology. So um, my first job in many ways uh, was the first job that I dreamed to have, you know, at the end of my life. Uh, as I wanted to be able to work in an STD clinic and be able to um, I was I had infectious disease fellowship, so I wanted to be able to do infectious diseases and practice in academic health center, uh, be able to do STD research and uh, and something a, a complicated, you know, uh, certainly when I think about it at that time, uh, to be able to do public health and academic medicine at the same time. But the opportunity was uh, offered to me coming out of training to come to Mississippi at the University of Mississippi Medical Center where the health department was interested in, in having, you know, a faculty to 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 lead, you know, their STD program and be, you know, provide direction to their new STD clinic that they were about to build. So I was going to have a joint appointment in, in the university and with the health department. So in many ways, as I say, that was a dream come true. And I came to Mississippi, you know, and I stayed in Mississippi for 20 years. Fantastic. So thank you very much. So Chicago to Louisiana to Mississippi. Correct. The and- CDC. Yeah, and to the CDC. So, so tell me, before we track back, and I'll ask you a few questions about about that, but tell me about your current role at the CDC. So now, Georgia. 
Yes, you know, at CDC, I'm the director of the division of STD program. You know, the STD program um, oversees um, uh, really the sexual health and uh, um, uh, and tries, you know, uh, works uh, with uh, the local um, state, uh, local tribal, you know, uh, governments, you know, to uh, control um, the sexually transmitted diseases in the country. How long have you been with the CDC, Leander? I've been with the CDC a little bit over one year. My first year anniversary was actually uh, in August, you know, this month, at the beginning of this month. Tell me, you know, just just tracking back a little bit, the 20 years experience in, in Mississippi must have been fascinating. So coming from a different country, from the Dominican Republic to the US, adapting to a different culture, and then ending up in Mississippi just tell me a bit about that. What was that like? What were the sort of challenges that you faced in the in the clinic? That's a good question. I think uh, when you don't grow up uh, in the United States, um, especially coming, you know, as a person of color, you know, a, a, you come to the United States and uh, and in many ways you have um, an awareness, right? You know, a, 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 that you don't know, you know, uh, uh, so many things, right? And you become aware and you, uh, I think I became, you know, uh, uh, observant, right? Of people's, you know, trying to understand people's culture and trying to understand, you know, people's background, you know, that were in many ways different, right? You know, what you, your idea of the United States is very often, you know, the what you see in TV, what is in many ways uh, fed to you, right, when you live overseas. And coming to Chicago, for example, I saw for the first time uh, a divide, right, you know, between, you know, black, you know, a, a, a populations, you know, white populations, and, and, and in many ways, Latino populations, I mean, uh, a, a, I learned, you know, in Chicago that Chicago uh, as a city was uh, fairly, you know, segregated, right? You know, and uh, and while it had a lot of people, you know, people somehow live in spaces that were very distinct, you know, in many different ways. Um, I think uh, um, when I came, you know, to the U.S., uh, uh, initially I was interested in doing emergency medicine, uh, but I didn't like, you know, a... Uh, my first rotation, I was lucky enough to actually be assigned to the emergency department, and I didn't like that experience. My second rotation was actually doing infectious diseases, and uh, and, uh, and 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 I think that a number of things coincide. I think that that I was lucky enough to have as an attending someone who was uh, uh, at that time, you know, recognized expert in, in, in HIV, who who so eloquently, you know, talk about HIV and the challenges, you know, of HIV as an infectious, as a cause, you know, a, a, of uh, immunodepression that in many ways, you know, deprive the body from the ability to respond to infections and as such, you know, remove a lot of the clues that we typically look to be able to diagnose diseases. So clinically, it was very challenging. But I also saw something that I really couldn't, you know, conceptualize right away, which was in many ways a wall that separated people with AIDS, right? People who are hospitalized with complications of HIV infection from their families, but also from the staff that was supposed to take care of them. And for me, I kind of... 
recognize here an opportunity where I think, you know, as a clinician, as a doctor, I could make a difference. So that was the first thing. Uh, at that time, I shifted, you know, to, I wanted to be an HIV doctor and infectious disease specialist, and that kind of brought me to New Orleans. Um, in New Orleans, uh, I was lucky enough to have the mentorship of uh, a, a individuals, as I say, like Dr. David Martin and Dr. Stephanie Taylor, who really kind of, uh, Dr. Uh, Patricia Kissinger, who really, uh, in many ways, kind of uh, uh, helped me to understand and recognize the relationship between HIV and sexually transmitted infections. And uh, and uh, in the School of Public Health, uh, uh, to really start recognizing, you know, how this, the how factors, right, have, that have nothing to do with individual behaviors, had a relationship, you know, with high rates of sexual transmitted infections. I mean, I always remember a study that was done, you know, published, you know, during the times that I was in the School of Public Health in Tulane that look at um, the rates of gonorrhea in, 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 projects in New Orleans associated with the number of broken windows that people had in their in their houses, right? You know, and for me, that was very intriguing, right? You know, to understand, you know, the relationship and the connections and the dots, right? In between those two phenomenons, right? So, so, so I think that moving to Mississippi, you know, a, 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 all that came, you know, in many ways to full circle, as Mississippi is this place where there are so many, you know, disparities, you know, and so many challenges, yet, yet you feel always, you feel, you're, you feel, you wake up every day with the feeling that, and, and the belief really more than a feeling that there is an opportunity to make things better. I, you know, and uh, and uh, and I spent, you know, some time, you know, uh, probably my first few years, you know, recognizing, you know, the impact of poverty, racism, you know, poor, you know, education, um, a lower income, you know, that have right in in, in people's ability to to access, you know, a, 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 and uh, health services, in people's ability to 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 enjoy, you know, to adopt behaviors that may improve their health. Um, and that, that almost paralyzes you, you know, because of how um, incredible, incredible um, a, 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 the magnitude, right, of, of, the, of the challenge. You know, and one day, you know, I think in many ways as a result of a conversation with a dear, you know, friend and colleague who really challenged me, you know, in spite of all those challenges, you know, what can I do? You know, what can, what could be done? And uh, and I think in many ways, you know, that kind of changed my approach. You know, to see things, you know, on a take things on a day by day. You know, and uh, and try to do every day the difference that I could make with the resources that I had at hand. So that's kind of a, 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 a in many ways, those were the challenges. And I think you know, and th- and that was the approach that I took as a result of the. Uh, what I learned and the opportunities that were presented to me. Thank you. Thank you, Leandro. And there's a few things that jump out there. Social determinants of health, making a difference, accessing communities that um, w- with different needs and with different access to healthcare as well. And I'm sure these are all themes that will come up as we, we, we talk further. 
But tell me a little bit now about the CDC and some of the challenges. So when you walked in on your first day and saw your entry, what are the main challenges that you're facing in the US around SDI? Yeah, you know, you know, as you know, um, first of all, you know, working at CDC is a different environment, right? You know, when you work at the local state state level, at the local level, you have, you know, you can act, you know, immediately. The environment at CDC is quite different, you know, and it's important. You know, I think, you know, in terms of a challenges i think currently you know sexual health is not prioritized you know and the stigma associated with these infections can really bury the truth uh, that all people deserve you know a quality health care in order to live healthy lives uh, we have also created so many barriers to receiving uh, a that care for some of the groups most affected by sdis uh, while working in mississippi for example i learned that a lot of people um for a lot of people, it isn't really just about the cost of healthcare, but it's also about transportation, you know, taking time off of work, finding childcare, you know, and feeling stigmatized. Um, I also think that there is a tendency in public health, you know, to fall into the trouble focusing on the problem, you know, right in front of them uh, for the detriment of bigger long-term problems. I mean, we follow, you know, a disease. I mean, if you think about it, you know, uh, H chlamydia was in the early 70s, what later became herpes, you know, and then, you know, HIV, and then we had syphilis and Jan Croyd, you know, and then we have the resurgence of syphilis, you know, resistant gonorrhea. So we are really focused on diseases. I mean, and, and not really, you know, taking a, a step back to look at what the root cause, you know, are and, and how we really probably, you know, uh, the solution, right, you know, can be by taking a, a, a more holistic approach that really focus on 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 health promotion, on sexual health. Um, um, so so um, to put our resources, I mean, it's important, for example, to put our resources, you know, into the areas where there are dramatic shifts, you know, going in the wrong direction rather than address the root of the problems in or the factors driving those shifts. Sometimes this is imperative and the right things to do, but um, I cannot cover, you know, a, 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 the only things that we do. So in addition to addressing you know, the root cause and increasing STIs, we really need to meet patients, you know, where they are to ensure that sexual health is accessible. Um, because of the factors contributing to STIs are really complex and multifaceted, the solutions will be as well. Um, one single group uh, or entity cannot really solve these problems, um, and it's going to take a much larger group effort if we are to succeed in turning the epidemic around, uh, particularly in the United States. And I imagine there's a lot of focus on monkeypox at the moment. Well, yes, you know, monkeypox, I think, you know, caught us in many ways by surprise. I, I can tell you that I don't think, you know, a, 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 any of us necessarily thought that we're gonna we were gonna be dealing with monkeypox uh, as a as a as an important outbreak as it is you know global outbreak as it is you know right now you know if any of us would have been asked about it you know a couple of years ago um i think monkeypox you know in many ways has uh created um a, a has demonstrated right challenges but i think you know it has created certainly you know a unique opportunities um 
uh, unique opportunities for us to uh, understand how um, a group of individuals, right, you know, uh, who value, I think, you know, uh, and appreciate their sexual, you know, health and, uh, and, and, and in many ways you can argue that, that as less, are less stigmatized, right, about their own sexuality, have also embraced, you know, a, a, have worked, you know, a, with public health, you know, to embrace, you know, the, the threat that affects their community, you know, and, um, and have, you know, access, you know, services, you know, to, to, to get vaccinated and to really, uh, work together with public health, you know, community and public health working together to to slow down the progression of this outbreak. Yup, yup, no, absolutely. And and tell me a bit more about the CDC, Leandro. It's it's something that most of our most of us outside of the US have heard of. Um but just a little bit more about its objective and how it integrates a bit with the states as well. Yeah, you know, CDC is, is the nation's leading science-based data-driven service organization that protects the public health. I mean, uh, to be, you know, honest with you, uh, um, coming to CDC for me in many ways is a great honor, you know, to join a, a tremendous group of uh, very committed um, individuals, you know, whose interest is improving, you know, the health of the nation, and particularly in the division of STD prevention, to really improving the, the sexual health of the nation. You know, uh, CDC has uh, its early beginnings. Uh, they stretch back to the 1940s with malaria uh, control efforts uh, where the Communicable Disease Center was founded in 1946. So really, you know, almost uh, 75, we celebrated our 75th anniversary, you know, this year. So what started with malaria has grown to into an agency with very, various centers, institutes, and offices that we call CIOs, that really, you know, each and each of one of these centers, institutes, and, and offices, I mean, are composed of divisions and branches. You know, the CIOs allow the agency to be more responsive and effective when dealing with public health concerns. Um, CDC, you know, mission is really, you know, CDC works 24 hours a day, seven days a week to protect the United States from health, um, health safety, and security threats from foreign and domestic uh, uh, sources. Um, to accomplish our mission, CDC conducts, you know, critical science and provide health information to protect our nation against expensive and dangerous health threats and respond to these uh, threats as they arise. Understood. And how big is the STI or STD team within the CDC? Well, uh, the Division of STD Prevention is uh, fairly large. Uh, I oversee over 250 staff members, uh, six branches, three offices. Um, and uh, while a large proportion of our staff uh, is uh, located uh, in Atlanta, nearby uh, headquarters, um, we have a large number of individuals who are uh, spread throughout the country supporting uh, local health departments. Understood. So there is the, the central and the, and the local piece. And in terms of funding for the CDC, is that paid? Is that contributions by the state? Is it through taxation? How, how does that piece work? The Division of STD Prevention is funded uh, through um, a appropriation, you know, by Congress, uh, through the federal government. And, um, a, a, and, and the division itself, right, you know, a, 
place, you know, and CDC plays, you know, through the division uh, obesity prevention, an important role in combating, as I say, United States STS epidemic. You know, some of the things that we do is uh, assisting, you know, health departments and health providers and other work, eh, 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 and others really working to address STIs by providing, you know, timely science-based information and guidelines on the testing and treatment of these infections. So you probably, you know, eh, or People should be familiar or is familiar with the STI treatment guidelines in document, uh, and a companion piece that um, uh, on recommendations for quality STD clinical services that highlights the service healthcare setting that can to provide the highest quality STD care uh, for their patients. Um, you know the STD guidelines are probably the most, if I recall, the most downloaded one of the most downloaded documents, you know, that we have in our website at CDC. Uh, we also uh, provide significant funding to state and local health departments for STD programs, as well as national STD and public health organizations. You know, roughly 85% of the funding that we receive uh, goes to programs and grants. In our flagship cooperative agreement, known as Strengthening STD Prevention and Control for Health Departments, also called uh, PITCH, uh, funds states and cities to monitor STD cases and trends, to provide on-the-ground prevention support, to promote testing and treatment best practices, and to increase STD prevention knowledge uh, and certainly turn data into action. Uh, we have also other programs with state that focuses on specific areas in surveillance, notably around drug-resistant gonorrhea. And we also work with states and partners to support disease intervention training for providers and public health professionals. Um, we uh, also serve uh, as a resource to the general public and policymakers for understanding important information about STIs in the U.S. and uh, and we offer technical support and assistance to states in, in particular, you know, in particular issues that are of national interest. You know, for example, you know, we have you know a, a congenital syphilis. I mean, we are seeing an increase in cases of congenital syphilis that we have not seen rates that we have not seen since 1993. You know, so so we are specifically, you know, working, you know, with uh, local jurisdictions, you know, to try and to uh, address, to to design, to invest in strategies, you know, that will help decrease the cases of syphilis, uh, in particular in, in, in persons of reproductive age, uh, that may, as a consequence, reduce um, the risk of congenital syphilis. Um, um, uh, we uh, frequently are involved in uh, local uh, outbreak investigations uh, as needed, uh, especially, you know, when uh, and upon request of local jurisdictions, you know, for our assistance. Thanks. And, and yeah, I can, I can speak from experience, Leandro, having downloaded and read CDC guidelines um, on, on certain infections. Have you got any examples? You mentioned the uh, congenital syphilis, which is which is frightening. Any specific examples of of campaigns that you've helped fund or or back at at, at local level? Just fascinated to to understand a bit more. Right, you know, it, it was, certainly, you know, we we get routine requests from local jurisdictions whenever you know they have increased in case of against the eyes that they found, you know, about certain threats or right to call an outbreak. And uh, in last year, for example, we uh, eh, responded to uh, uh, an outbreak, you know, eh, in the Navajo Nation, 
and uh, and our teams you know work with uh, um health you know authorities with the state you know health authorities you know that um that corresponded to the territories you know where those uh, um in the Navajo nation is located to really mount you know a coordinated response to improve you know syphilis uh control um that uh will hopefully, you know, result in a decrease in cases of syphilis and decrease of the cases of uh, um, congenital syphilis uh, that uh, are happening, you know, are affecting uh, Native Americans, right, in the Navajo Nation. We, you know, congenital syphilis, uh, like many other STDs, right, you know, are disproportionately distributed um, in our country with some, you know, racial ethnic groups, you know, disproportionately affected. Um, and we know that, um, again, African-Americans, uh, Latino, Latina women, and, uh, and Native Americans uh, and Alaskan Natives are are disproportionately affected by uh, syphilis and are experiencing disproportionately high rates of uh, congenital syphilis. You know, when we think of minorities in the U.S., or certainly from from our perspective, we think about the Latinos and the people from um, different different countries and backgrounds, but not necessarily the Native Americans. So that. Is, is very, very interesting and, and eye-opening to hear. In terms of your future challenges, so if we were to have this conversation in five years' time, um, what would you have liked to have achieved? What do you see as the main focus areas moving moving forward? Um, I mean, five years' time, really, we'd like to see, you know, a... a I really would like to see that one important priority for me is really to expand the accountability for STI prevention and control beyond CDC and the STI programs. You know, I believe that everyone has a part to play in preventing STIs, and I would like to see that we have really, you know, uh, been able to to uh, uh, to get some progress, right, in, in that direction, engaging with uh, communities, engaging with uh, uh, third-party payers, uh, uh, engaging with with a broader, you know, healthcare system. Uh, so, so recommended, uh, you know, screenings uh, uh, are performed and are reimbursed for. Um, uh, I would like to see, you know, an increasing in access to stigma-free, affordable sexual health services. You know, I think that all people deserve accessible, affordable, quality sexual health care in order to live their healthy lives. You know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, stigma really is a tremendous force that really borders the truth in shame. Um, and, and, I, and I want to see that in five years we have made progress in promoting innovation for STI's discovery. Um, we could move, you know, that we have moved the needle closer to a vaccine to gonorrhea. And there have been recent studies showing the protective factor that meningococcal vaccine have with gonorrhea. Um, I also would like to see, you know, um, I think that, that we have been able to overcome the current challenges that exist, you know, so gonorrhea and chlamydia screening, you know, can uh, happen, you know, be self-collected, right? You know, patient-collected samples outside of clinical setting, which I think in many ways, you know, can do for access, you know, to gonorrhea and chlamydia screening, what the, what a nucleus amplification did in the early 2000s. Right, it will be a big expansion of access because it really will give people the opportunity 
to have that kind of uh, access to screening in a really non-stigmatizing in spaces that will be less stigmatizing than, than some of the current spaces that we have available in the U.S. Um, so I'm also hopeful, you know, that the significant, you know, recent COVID-19 investments, you know, toward rebuilding and expanding public health systems and staffing will be successful and will be sustained. You know, sustainability is key so that state and local health departments are equipped to more effectively respond to emerging and ongoing health threats moving forward, including STIs. You know, monkeypox will be another test, you know, to see where we stand and what lessons we have learned from uh, from and improve upon uh, from COVID-19. Um, it will also provide us another opportunity to improve an additional weaknesses, um, additional weaknesses that still exist in our public health system. You know, finally, I think that turning this epidemic around, it really will require not only time, but increased ownership of the problem. As I say, you know, more than one time, CDC and public funded STI programs cannot do it alone. And we need the support of, I mean, multi-sectorial, you know, support. We need the support of the communities that are, you know, affected. That's interesting. And in terms, Leandro, of seeking that support, I, I imagine... You've got advocates and some of it will happen naturally and you've got some extremely engaged people, I know from experience, um, driving programs, driving areas such as um, remote testing, self-collection. Is there a mechanism within the CDC to reach out to communities where you don't necessarily have that or there is less awareness? You know, uh, uh, I think there there are. You know, uh, certainly. You know, uh, CDC. You know, has a um, uh, all agency. I think commitment to health equity. You know, um, uh, HIV has done tremendous work. You know, engaging communities. You know, and uh, and 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 while some people, you know, say that. STIs, you know, in part because of the stigma, don't have a really vocal community. People saying, you know, have an STI. I would argue that some STIs do. You know, we have seen tremendous progress, you know, a, 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 and work, you know, um, by the um, HSV, you know, advocacy community. I think that we really have to make an effort, right, and, and, and bring people to the table um, so, so we can hear from them, you know, how... You know, what is it that we need to do? You know, how they want our programs, you know, how they think our programs can be most effective in terms of, again, you know, a, a improving access to stigma-free, non-discriminatory, affordable, you know, sexual health services. When you say jurisdictions, Leandro, and, you know, if, if there is a an outbreak, as we're seeing with monkeypox at the moment, a jurisdiction may reach out to the CDC for support or funding, as you were saying earlier. What jurisdictions do you tend to have reaching out? Is it all handled at state level? Or could it be at city level or at county level? Or even even smaller than that? Is there any limitation on the size and type of jurisdiction that will that will reach out? Right. You know, it has to do with the um how the United States uh, as a country, right, you know, is uh, politically, you know, divided, right? You have, you know, uh, local governments, I mean, and it differs by state. You know, there are some states that are home state where basically um, uh, a county, right, you know, has 
determines, right? You know, things like their health, you know, in the same way that determine their education, you know, determines, you know, things like their health. There are other states that are uh, where healthcare, for example, or health, public health is more centralized, like the state where I came from, Mississippi, where um, decisions for the whole state are taken at a central level, at a state level. In some others, they pass, they're passed down to the county level. In some counties, they're passed down to the city level. You know, a, a, and um, so that's that's what I mean. So so when it comes to uh, CDC, you know, a, everything depends on the magnitude of the outbreak and uh, and uh, on, the, on, on the magnitude, right? And how many levels, right? A, 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 are included in that, that particular outbreak, how many different, you know, for example, a, a, a states or cities, you know, maybe involved in the outbreak. So we try to respond, a, and our response in many ways are uh, um, proportional, right, to 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 the uh, magnitude of the outbreak or the magnitude of the need. Just, just out of interest, I imagine there is a, a political element to it as well. So if you were in a state that may be less open to supporting SDI testing, treatment, campaigns, etc. Could a county or even an individual clinic reach out to you rather than necessarily going through the hierarchy or cascading upwards? Does that happen as well? What you want to see, right, is for the data to be the data, right? You know, a, a, and the science a, a, to inform the data, you know, but then, you know, solutions, right, are going to be always political, you know, in public health. A, a, in general, you know, there is a consensus, you know, of what works because science, you know, has given us the data. A, a, but, but unfortunately, uh, as you say, you know, there is a, an important component of politics and I think that's as important um, as citizens to recognize that what we do you know when we vote the people that we elect right you know elections have consequences absolutely very very much so so moving moving on and this is just a final question Leandro and a question that we ask if somebody came to you who were considering a career in sexual health and ask your advice, what would the one piece of advice be that you would give them? Oh, uh, I would say, you know, come on board. You know, uh, we're entering an inflection point where we are recognizing how multi-level factors influence rates of STIs and uh, new and fresh and diverse perspectives are much needed uh, to promote the innovation that we need to realize the vision of our SDI National Strategic Plan, which is, you know, the United States will be a place where sexually transmitted infections are prevented and where every person has high quality SDI prevention, care and treatment while living free from stigma and discrimination. I hope you enjoyed that, Leandro. I, I certainly did. And thank you very much for your time. Thank, thank you so much. Uh, uh, Nick, I, I did, you know, I really enjoyed talking to you and the opportunity. I really appreciate it. So thank you. And if you do have a moment to rate and review us, it really does help other people to find this content. And remember, you can also follow us on Twitter under Sticks STI. That's Sticks S-T-I-X-S-T-I. Goodbye and thanks for listening.